Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. everybody to Morning Footy. Good to have you with us. I'm Poppy Miller here with Nico Cantor, Alexis Guerreros. And because it is MLS All-Star Week, we've brought in one of our very own Michael LaHue to join us. Who needs Charlie Davies when we've got Michael LaHue? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow, Thank Charlie. You. You're going to let him talk about it like this? <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Alex, hey. Keep, going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do you know what? I'm just so glad I didn't have to say that about Mike Grella because otherwise I'd have had to think of something else. We also would have known you were lying. Yeah. <laughs> Although he would have reminded me very quickly he did score the fastest goal in MLS history. So, uh, yeah, he's always got that, hasn't he? How was your weekend, though, boys? Good? Yeah, not bad. With uh, yesterday's announcement, yeah, nice little cherry on top. What did we think of the yesterday's mm. announcement then? Let's get straight into it, uh, shall we? Did it live up to the expectations, Alexis? I think it's difficult. I, you know, Southern Florida, unpredictable weather. You know, my experience with Southern Florida is that it rains on one block and not the next one. Uh, but this one seemed to really... Probably what was happening. Yeah, I mean, in, in true Miami fashion, you can't predict the weather. I think at the end of the day... You know, regardless of any slip-ups or, you know, uh, how, you know, the, the fans being drenched and all that and people having to stand on the rain. At the end of the day, it's still Lionel Messi being yeah. introduced to play in America. And I think yesterday's when it finally hit me. Like, bro, Lionel Messi's about to take a flight to Columbus, Ohio. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. That's what hit you? Yeah, he's going to play in Kansas City. He's going to play in Kansas City. Few, a few things hit me before the actual unveiling is he got the full South Florida treatment. Nico, you know about that. It always rains in Miami in the summer. But to see the event still go on, to see Messi unveiled, that was the most important thing at the end of the evening. Mm -hmm. Because when was the last time, Nico, that you can remember a full packed out stadium just for the sun? of a player, not even that he was going to play in any sort of match yesterday. Yeah, definitely you could feel that yesterday was special. It was a watershed moment in the literally. landscape of soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Today. Um, in, in, in the history of, of American soccer. And yeah. maybe they would have wanted the league and the club for the unveil to go a certain direction, but because of the rain and whatnot, um, maybe it wasn't perfect, but what I want to focus on the words of Jorge Mas, yeah. uh, one of the owners of Inter Miami, how he is such a representation of the city of Miami um, that was built thanks to the struggles and the liberty that a lot of immigrants have had. I mean, Alexis knows how much the Cuban population in Miami uh, is, is important to the foundation and, and the framework of the city of Miami. Had it not been for those experiences, Jorge Mas, I don't think, would have been so perseverant in his search to build this club because building a soccer team and putting together a, a, a franchise in Miami, a sports franchise is not easy because you need yeah. to grab people's attention. And look, the Miami Dolphins probably don't even get sold out every week. Neither do the Miami Heat and the Heat were in the NBA Finals uh, this year. And you look at the history of soccer in Miami, the, the fusion folded, the four lot of those yeah, strikers, strikers on that same 
land yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, folded, yeah. um, and you have so, so many more that we don't have time to get into, but you needed something like this. And, let me and the fact that Jorge Mas and David Beckham went out, I, yeah. I think it shows that relentlessness that they needed to put not only MLS on the forefront, but their club as well. And even just slightly bigger than the city of Miami, which, I, of course, you would speak to, just being a Cuban-American, and I've, I've had the chance to say these words to Jorge Mas himself, he's the first Cuban-American professional sports owner at this level in the United States of America. Not and, Mark Cuban? Huh? No. <laughs> it actually comes that. from Cuban, K-U-B-A-N, mm. and they switched it to C. But... Um, for Only of course I know. <laughs> I googled it on my Instagram. Is he Cuban? Bro? Stop. I would yeah. Cuba Gooden Jr. Like also not Cuban, bro. It's That's really messed up. funny. Uh, but the reason why I bring that up is, you know, the over under mm -hmm. I won because you knew he was going to say the word freedom within the first two sentences. It's the thing that you know Cuban Americans talk about most. But I actually text my mother and I spoke to her about this. You get the chance to, you sort of have to leave your home country and you come to another country. So to be accepted here, to be given a welcome here, and to be given the opportunity to get to the point where you can own a professional sports team. Mm -hmm. And now for the imprint, a Cuban American is the one who brought the biggest sports icon yeah. to the mm -hmm. United States. Yeah. Is, that fills me with pride. It felt very surreal, didn't it? His speech in uh, English thank you. and I wanna in Spanish. I want to touch on that. You have the representation. It's one thing when you have someone else on the stage introducing Lionel Messi, for it to be Jorge Mas, to, for it to be someone who knows the city and to be able to speak to the values, the virtues that make up Miami. I lived in Miami for two and a half years, and to be across the city to be in the presence of Cuban Americans, to be in the presence of the fabric of the city, and the words that he used, dream. That is such a significant word. Here's an owner who dreamed to not just put Inter-Miami on the map, but now put them on the world stage by grabbing, arguably, and I don't think there's any argument about it since what we saw at the FIFA World Cup, the greatest player, the goat of goats. I mean, they brought a dang goat they did to have the a actual goat. thing. Yeah. That shows you how significant this moment was. Yeah, I, I, they use freedom to dream as their slogan. And I think it really represents what, how strong they swung for the stars and they mm -hmm. brought back the GOAT. I mean, it's, it really is unreal. And not only that, it's not, not only the representation of having a, a Spanish-speaking owner, I think in the negotiations as well, mm. because Messi could have gone, probably Inter Miami had the discovery rights, but just say there were other owners that were relentless in their search. I think what gave the masses the edge as well, other than having the city of Miami and Inter Miami, the fact that they speak Spanish and were able to mm. hold those negotiations with Messi's camp in Spanish, it makes it all more personable. And that can only happen through a bilingual owner, someone mm -hmm. who understands the fabric of MLS like David Beckham and somebody on the business side of things that conducts business I was just about in saying, English and in Spanish. It's a bit of a full circle moment as yeah. well for David Beckham, who obviously came to the league. He was the big thing, and now he's played such a big part in getting the next biggest thing or the biggest thing in history uh, to the league. But obviously, into Miami, they need a lot of help, don't they? Because on the pitch, things have been far from great. They're sitting last uh, in the table. How much... Will Messi turn this around Oof. in the near future? How much of an immediate impact is he going to have? Well, I mean, in the, in the stands, significant. Yeah. On the pitch, uh, you know. Where are you, I mean, expecting, I, where are you expecting Inter Miami to finish come the end of the season with uh, Leo Messi playing the second half? I'm, I'm going to jump on the gun here. I, I was the one last time I was on Morning Footy and I shot the chagrins of everyone, not just on social media, but everyone at the table. I think they still miss out. 
just because at this point in the season, given the differences in schedule and the makeup of the League's Cup coming, I think they still miss out just barely on the playoffs. I think that you're going to see this surge in performance, the energy, and one player that I'm excited, and I can't wait to break it down more, of why, Josef Martinez, that partnership, he now has a pipeline of service in the attacking third, but you still need to get him the ball, and that's why the signing and the complementary partnership of Sergio Busquets is going to be pivotal to Messi and Martinez in the entire Inter-Miami attack. Do you Which think one of them that they make the playoffs? Defend, though? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. And therein lies the problem. Nico, do you think they make the playoffs this season? It's going to be tight, and it's going to have to be an immediate impact. The thing is that they have that little cushion of League's Cup to kind of get used to the league, mm-hmm. get used to their challenge. I would be impressed if they make the playoffs. I don't think they'll make it. It's 12 games. Do you agree? It's yeah. 12 games. It's not enough to get to the playoffs. But I also don't think that matters. I don't think that matters. I think getting him in, getting Sergio Busquets in, getting them signed. That's been enough this yes, season. Yes, that's the beginning. That's what you need. And then, you know, tool up for the beginning of next season. I mean, mm-hmm. from, yeah. from, that's exactly what Tata Martino said yeah. in his introductory interview that the club put out. And he, in Spanish, it's funny. We say you, you, you open an umbrella. An umbrella. Oh my Piragua? gosh, I forgot the word umbrella. Paragua. It's just I'm thinking of it in Spanish. Piragua you, is a drink. Yeah, Paragua. no, Paragua. You, Piragua you, you, you open the umbrella. Still on the island. Just, yeah. just, just to block the rain from hitting you, mm-hmm. and that's what he did from the very first moment in a good that's way. That's what they needed last night. He, he, yeah, that's what they needed <laughs> yeah, last night. Yeah. They curbed. He curbed the fans' expectations. You know how difficult it is to come in more than halfway through a season and change everything from one second to but the next? But if anyone when, can do it, Messi can do it. Yeah, but, but well. it's going to be the, he is the gonna, greatest yeah, of all time. But he didn't make it's the be, in his first no. season with He is going to be playing with, from a quality perspective, the worst teammates he's ever played with. Mm. And that's going to be a challenge with him. It's true. Ouch, Nico. It's, I, I agree It's with true. That. I, I mean, that. we can't cookie coat this. You yeah, know? We can't it, sure it's a good this. point. Yeah. Let's take a look at some like of the reaction <laughs> on social media from last night with some of the tweets that we saw because there were so many. I think even if you didn't watch it, you could live it through Twitter. A bit surreal to watch Leo Messi unveiled as an Inter-Miami player. This was seen. It looked like an absolute concert, didn't it? If you didn't actually know what was happening and you just saw these pictures. I mean, it was. They brought in a full-on party afterwards. Speechless, it's real, it's happening. I think this was like the overall consensus, wasn't yeah. it? That it just felt very surreal. Aguero, Aguero in the house. He's, he's been everywhere as of late. I think he's he lives in, in Miami, Miami yeah. now, no? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think seeing the emotion People thought that was me. I've got such a better hairline. My hairline is so much better than this. Well, if you can tell it's you, if it's the kicks. Yeah. You have better kicks, I give you that. Also, do Wait. I look like a Mossad agent, bro? <laughs> the guy on the right? No, Tim Howard on the left. Yeah, Tim Howard. The guy on the right. The disrespect to my guy, Alexis. Thank you, bro. This guy's holding up for dear life. I'm doing good up here, bro. Uh, Your hair game is 10 times better, too. (laughs) Gotta give some shine. Uh, And welcome to the Open Cup as well. Let's not forget, into Miami are still in the Open Cup. They're through to the semi final. Everybody is desperate to see Messi play. And guess what? You can watch it on the Golasso Network for free. Messi to play for the first time in the Open Cup. They'll take on the best team in MLS. Cincinnati on August 23rd. Houston and Real Salt Lake is the other match as well, both of which available on Paramount+. Plus. But how about that game to see the GOAT play for free? I know. Mm. That's wild. <laughs> and on our network. It's pretty dope. Yeah, pretty cool, isn't it? And that, that's a good opportunity for a trophy for Inter-Miami. Yeah. Le- Leagues yeah. Cup as well, but you're starting from scratch. But 
when you've arrived at a semifinal mm. and then Messi comes to play with a nice little month or so of practice. Yeah. But they're not, they're not just playing against anyone. This no, FC Cincinnati not. team, yeah. they will be up for the occasion. They have an Argentine playmaker of their own who I think is the best player in Major League Soccer uh, right now. Uh, really? I said it. Potentially American. I think right now. Potentially yeah, yeah, American. Potentially, but I think he is the best player, Luciano Acosta, in Major League Soccer right now. That's going to be one heck of a matchup. It feels like for Inter Miami, this is really something that they've got to put all their focus in because this is something that they can win this season. Two games. Yeah. Two games, it's not gonna it. be. It's not going to be easy, though. By no. the way, they should replace all their numbers with targets because they're going to all have targets on their back. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to beat this team because they know the whole world is watching. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Okay, still to come, Michelle Gingras is going to join us with the day's headlines so far. We're going to be right back here on Morning Fussy. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Today is a massive day here on the Golasso Network. The attacking third is joining the family starting today at 4 o'clock Eastern and we'll be live every Monday, Wednesday and Friday bringing you all the latest news and conversations in the world of women's football plus all the build-up to the Women's World Cup that is now just days away. Join Jenny, Lisa, Jordan and Darian today for the very first attacking third on the Golasso Network. This is huge. Big news. Yeah, amazing. Huge. Women's soccer being spoken about on TV, on the regular. This is massive. This is part of the investment that Golasso Network is making yeah. into the sport in total. And you can't talk about the sport without representing the ladies. Mm -hmm. This is incredible. And Giving the timing. women's football all the love. The yes. timing as well. There's, there's another big event coming up in a yeah, couple of days. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's a, a, what was it a again? bunch of the, the whole world is coming together to mm. play for a cup. Gotcha. Mm. They should call it the World Cup. Yeah. Great oh. idea, Alexis. <laughs> right? Really good Bruh. idea. Michelle, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Are you going for England with me? Oh, am I going for England? I think yeah. I have to go for the United States. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Michelle. <laughs> My English USA. husband, though, Poppy has a point. Oh. <laughs> it's a house divided. Oh. She, <laughs> she tried to turn you into <laughs> Benedict Arnold there, bro. News <laughs> <laughs> for Galazzo Network, the attacking third. I mean, just to have that coverage. Poppy, for you as a former player, I mean, that's got to be yeah. pretty gratifying. It's amazing. I'm so excited. I'm going to be joining them on Wednesday as well to talk about everything that's coming up. Hopefully, we'll be breaking down uh, England's group on that day as well. <laughs> but like you said, I think the timing couldn't be better. And to have the platform for women's football feels really special and long overdue and were you, needed. Were you once the Bojangles Player of the Week? Oh, Alexis, no. don't embarrass me. <laughs> wow. Yes. You, lo you love Bojangles too, don't you? I do. I'm a big fan. Alexis, me too. I love Bo. I posted about it yesterday. Okay. Okay, well, oh, all right. It's not a competition. We can both love it. There's enough chicken to go around. Hey, hey, hey. Which thighs are huh? thighs? Oh, dark meat only, bro. Dark Mulberry meat. biscuits. Yes. Do right. right. so you know what I do love? I love the hash browns that come with everything. They're like in a French fry. Mm. Pop. Am I the, the only browns. one on this table that has not had Bojangles? I haven't had Bojangles. in the no. South Carolina <laughs> airport? Yeah. You haven't either. Charlotte Airport, bro. Okay. I haven't. That, Phil, you're missing out. I think we've got, think we've got something that we need to do for breakfast coming yeah. up soon. We might have right? to take a flight there. There's All right. no Bojangles here. There are there? none. But no. we just got a Raising Canes. Love Raising Canes. Okay, conversation for another time. Let's get to the headlines, okay, everyone? It's been a summer to remember for Flo Balligan, who made his U.S. men's national team debut in a trophy-winning performance in CONCACAF Nations League and now a high-profile 
Souter has emerged as a potential destination. According to multiple reports, Inter Milan has identified Balogun as a top transfer target to help fill the void at striker after the departures of Edin Dzeko and Romelu Lukaku. Arsenal is reportedly seeking $65 million for the 22-year-old. Inter's shift to Balogun has coincided with the end of their pursuit of bringing back Lukaku. According to multiple reports, Inter has put an end to their attempt to buy Lukaku after his second stint with the club. And Chelsea reportedly agreed to a deal with Inter for a $39 million transfer, but Inter pulled out of the negotiations after Lukaku's representatives entertained other offers from Juventus and AC Milan. So quite the saga there. In other transfer news, Arsenal completed several long-awaited transfers over the weekend, including the record-breaking signing of Ice Ice Rice Rice, a baby, uh, Declan Rice. The $130 million plus add-ons move sets a new record for the highest fee paid to an English player set recently by Jude Bellingham. And Rice had spent his entire career at West Ham making the first team in 2017 and helping guide them to a Europa Conference League title this past season. Marcus Rashford and Manchester United have reportedly agreed on an extension that will keep the 25-year-old at Old Trafford through 2028. That will make him the fourth highest paid player in Europe. The forward scored 30 goals in 56 games across all competitions last season with a weekly salary of $500,000. Erling Haaland, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and Mo Salah will make, the, will make more when the contract is signed. In international soccer news, Mexico won their record ninth Gold Cup last night with a 1-0 win over Panama. Santi Jimenez came off the bench to score the 87th-minute game-winning goal, helping Mexico win its first trophy since the 2019 Gold Cup and earning interim head coach Jaime Lozano a trophy after he replaced Diego Coca following Mexico's disappointing Nations League showing. So, Mike, question to you now. Lozano said after the match it would be a dream to remain as head coach. We know what's happened with this Mexico team, the highs and the lows. Do we think now that Lozano has a chance to take over the head coaching job permanently? I absolutely think so. I've been very buoyed by what I've seen from this Mexican national team. Love the finals. I don't know if anyone on this panel got to watch the game for the full 90 minutes, one of the most entertaining games I've seen a Mexico team play in the last few years. There's a believability and a belief. A oh, yesterday against Panama? Yeah. Yeah, there's a togetherness about this team since he's come in that we haven't seen. And the dark clouds that we've seen talked about so much. I think some of those clouds, a lot of those clouds have evaporated the way they did it. The emphatic fashion this is a Mexico side that needed to win this gold cup and they got their silverware. Now it'll be all to play for. They didn't play against the U.S. men's national team, a team. I think when they get that test, playing against them in the next couple of years, that will be the real litmus test for Mexico. Uh, that's the measuring stick for Mexico right now in the region because clearly losing 3-0 to the United States is what provoked the worst crisis mm. in Mexico Federation's history. Jaime Lozano's contract ran out yesterday. And if there's anybody that deserves to <clears throat> re-sign a contract, it's Jimmy Lozano because he proved and I think you used a very specific word, togetherness, because if you look at the Congress Nations League roster, you, has it been a long enough stretch with enough tough tests during that period to say, yes, he's the guy so the it, team it, is the, th the thing is that I don't know if the tests were tough enough, but he brought the group together. And Isn't it easy to do that against look, lesser uh, opponents? Can I, can I, but I think you, you, you can use an example, Lionel Scaloni for the Argentina national team, someone who didn't have any experience coaching professional football at all. And I think what his characteristic 
the one that was strongest was bringing a group together. And I think Jimmy Lozano, in its own way, in his own way, has done that with the Mexican national team. And I think his strongest character, uh, characteristic was deferment. He deferred mm -hmm. to Messi and said, you do what you do, Papa. We're going to protect you and surround you. But I want to yeah. say there's three ways this ends up. He probably will get an extension and should because he did bring the, it made them a unit, made them a team, something we haven't seen in Mexico in a long time. It's either a perfect signing and they go on to have a lot of success. It's either an absolute failure. The worst case scenario is he's their Garrett Southgate. He just does well enough to continue to stay in the job longer and longer and longer because you're here. But that's what every single Mexican national team coach since 1990 has mm -hmm. done. But they've done just Which is enough. what I'm saying. Their I goal, Mexico is, sets their goals and sets their standard getting past, getting to el quinto partido. Fifth game. The fifth it. game. But, and I is Lozano right. going to be that guy that does that? But I think now, though, we talk about standard. The standards have changed in CONCACAF because mm -hmm. there's a new sheriff in town. It's the old sheriff, the U.S. men's national team. I think you give him a longer contract if he gets it done against them. I think you hold him accountable, and he seems to be someone who thrives under the pressure. He had to win this tournament, I think, to even have a chance at keeping his job. He did that. Maybe give him two-year contract and see how he does again. The tricky situation is there's that no there's qualifier. no World Cup yeah. qualifier. Mm -hmm. So you got to measure his success so from how Nations League and Copa America. Yeah, that's so be. what, are you going to give him a, a, a one-year contract in a tournament style to prove himself that's again with the And then how does the next yeah. guy prove themselves? Right. It's and what, then, the World Cup? But he's going to end up, if they, if they sign him at all, he ends up being, unless he has a complete capitulation, he becomes the manager or the, the yeah. manager of this team in the World Cup. And that may not, and again, look, the Mexican mm -hmm. Federation and the ownership groups who have a lot of sway may not be completely swayed that are this they, is the, the guy. Are the Mexican fans mm -hmm. feeling confident, though, with him? They won. As, they won yeah. the Gold Cup. Done. They, look you how saw, fast you, you, was. You, saw, you saw it in the celebrations. You saw it in the players. You saw what that moment mean, be, meant to them. It didn't matter who was on the field. As a player, you can only beat who's in front of you. You can't, you can't predict who's sure. going to play for the U.S. men's national team or not. I think that now this gives a confidence because their target is to get revenge and knock the U.S. off their perch. You speak of targets, the U.S. men's national team would have the biggest target they've known since being a member of CONCACAF coming up in the next three years. Well, the team was in turmoil, weren't they, just three weeks ago? So I suppose so far, so good uh, for Mexico. Stay with us still to come here on Morning Footy. Felipe Cardenas is going to join us after the break to talk the messy mania that was in Miami last night. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, this was the scenes last night in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale. Messi officially announced by Inter Miami as their newest signing. There he is with David Beckham. Uh, Messi, the seven-time Ballon d'Or winner, a Champions League winner, a World Cup winner, and now set to play in Major League Soccer. His teammate and friend as well. Yeah, so Sergio Busquets, Busquets was also there. Kind of forgotten about on the night, maybe just because of how grand it was, but he will also be playing uh, for Inter Miami. We weren't there, obviously, but one person was our friend Felipe Cardenas, who joins us now. Felipe, good morning, good to see you. How was it last night? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it was pretty wet. It was pretty wet. Did you manage uh, to stay was... dry? <laughs> and how many delays no, were there no, exactly? No, not at all. Like, it was impossible. There's no way. Unless you ran and risked your life with the lightning and, and found some shelter, there's no way. So we all got wet uh, when we arrived there at the stadium. And, and that put the rain pushed everything back. Uh, the, the whole event was flipped on its head because there's supposed to be a concert first and then introduce Messi at the end. 
Uh, but because of the rainstorm, there was about a two hour delay. And so when everything cleared up, they just went straight to the presentation. Uh, but it, to, to answer your question, Poppy, it, it was it was a celebration. I think it was a celebration more and not just for Lionel Messi. Uh, it was a celebration for, for Inter Miami and the ownership group, Jorge Mas, Jose Mas, the, the Mas brothers and obviously David Beckham. Uh, it was a just an enormous moment for them that they are the team that 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 brought Lionel Messi to Major League Soccer, and I think a lot of people didn't think it was possible, including myself. I honestly didn't think it was going to happen, uh, and and it is. It's now real. Uh, Lionel Messi gave his first words yesterday, saying he can't wait to to get started. And how happy he was to have chosen the city of Miami and this specific project. So again, not to rehash his options, but. Uh, it, it is it is incredible that that over the Barcelona situation that could, couldn't get worked out, and and I think the Saudi deal that everyone thought may be too lucrative to turn down, here he is in Major League Soccer. Felipe, that incredulity, you're juggling with it, I'm juggling with it, and I think a lot of people in Miami are as well. From being in the stadium, what feeling did you get? from Miamians, from Argentine Americans, from Argentines and the Latinos. There's obviously this obsession for Messi, but now specifically that he has a Miami branding on him. How did you feel the people yesterday with their excitement and all? Yeah, I, I walked around the stadium and, and, and talked to a lot of uh, fans that were there, uh, whether they're wearing messy Argentina shirts or in Miami gear and, and wrote a story about just like inside the unveiling and really getting the voice of the people. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember speaking to a 20 year old Argentine, Argentine American. She's a, a med student at Florida International University. And she told me that, you know, I came here to see Messi, but I also came here to, to see my people. And she wanted to see the Argentine people sort of celebrating uh, their idol. And, and that to her was sort of a proud moment just to sort of celebrate her her heritage. Uh, season ticket holders from around the area that were gonna, going to be there anyway and are still sort of shocked and in disbelief that, that Messi is now on this team that they admit is is not is struggling big time. Uh, so, so that was interesting. And then, then I ran into two good friends that uh, are from Rosario, Rosario, Argentina, where, where Messi is from, his hometown. They were both wearing Newell's Old Boys shirts, which is his boyhood club. Uh, and they were there to celebrate their their idol as well. And, and, and when there was a little bit of doubt about what the event was going to look like because of the rain. I think this 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 told it this spelled it out for me when 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 Damian Rivera from Rosario said, even if Messi can't come out tonight, I'm just going to be happy that I was in the same stadium as him. And so, I think there are a few people in the world, maybe maybe Taylor Swift and uh, her Swifty <laughs> army, but uh, there are a few people in the world where that that really conjure this this amount of admiration, loyalty, and you saw it throughout the night. It, Felipe, it felt like a like a really like a big moment for Latin Americans. It also felt like a big moment for Cuban Americans as well. Seeing Jorge Mas bring Messi here. That being said, now he's here. It's unveiled. It's official. Him and Sergio Busquets are part of this team. What do you think happens from here? Did you get a sense from the folks in the stadium as to, especially the season ticket holders, as to how they feel about this the rest of the season? Yeah, it was it was interesting because you mentioned Jorge Mas and, and the Cuban American community. First of all, when he grabbed the mic, you know, he sort of took over the show. He's quite the showman, uh, and he mentioned that that this was a dream for for him and his family uh, that came from Cuba and, and and escaped communism. And and he's always been somebody that has 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 used that that you know the 
freedom to dream moniker uh, as one that is now part of Inner Miami's is you know their their true vision. So uh, I think it's interesting because there are fans that that just think like, hey, I'm just happy he's here. I'm happy Messi's here. I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, I spoke to a woman from from Miami Beach who said, you know, now that my now that Messi's here, we're going to take over MLS. Uh, so I think it's 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 sort of all throughout the spectrum. Uh, everyone understanding what the realities are, but they do think that this is a huge moment for the league. Uh, and you mentioned Latin Americans. You know, I spoke to a lot of different people from both. Not everyone was from Argentina. Uh, some some were Colombian, some were from, from Venezuela. And and the one thing that I think stood out was that those that understood the way MLS works said that this is going to be the moment for the league to really change. Because if one team can bring in Lionel Messi, surely other teams will want to invest more and really blow up this the, the, the league the way it should be. So interesting to see. But again, the season ticket holders are like, I'm going to be there no matter what. And I think they know that looking forward that this season may end soon. But this is a this is a project now that they can get behind. One person that we haven't talked about enough is David Beckham. He changed the game, changed Major League Soccer in 2007, a big part of this Lionel Messi move and deal. How do you see his role moving forward with Inter Miami and MLS as an ambassador to the global game here in North America? Yeah, David Beckham, I think, obviously, before Messi was the face of the franchise. I think it's going to be really interesting to see that that transition, you know, because, again, he's been very passionate. Beckham is uh, about what Inorami could become. And, and last night when he spoke to the crowd there, uh, you know, he mentioned that, that he that finally like his dream and his ambition was to bring the best players in the world to the city of Miami and now they've done it. And so a bit of validation for him as well. Uh, but, but David Beckham is always going to be now with Messi here, uh, sort of a bit of a shadow, a bit of a, a mirror as well. Like he was the first one that to come to this league and truly transform it. And before Messi signing on the dotted line, you know, David Beckham was the guy that we looked at, the player that we looked at as, Coming here uh, somewhat in his prime, he was 31 and coming from from Real Madrid to really change the sport in America. And so that baton has been passed to Messi. I think they're obviously very different personalities. We all know that uh, David Beckham is, is, is among I mean, just pop culture wise, it's just incredibly famous and he knows how to speak to media. Messi isn't like that, but he's going to have the same responsibilities as David Beckham. So I think now they're intertwined uh, forever and, and they're going to be part of this league and now part of American soccer moving forward, which I think that's one of the, the, the most surreal uh, facts for me is that not only is Messi here, but now he's going to represent the sport in America uh, and how it grows. So it, in, an interesting dynamic between the two, no doubt. David Beckham still is the greatest. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Anything and everything. Literally talking about Messi's unveiling. <laughs> You're still talking about Beckham. I do want to know, Felipe, if you think this is enough to make the playoffs. Only 12 mm. games left. Can they actually do it? Man, it's 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 gonna be so tough. I mean, it's we're gonna get to the point where Inter Miami is going to be mathematically out. And it's going to be a major story, not because they didn't make the playoffs, because, I mean, they've been in last place all season. But, yes, it's because the turnaround will have to wait until 2024. And then there's other huge factors here. You know, what happens if Inter Miami doesn't make the playoffs? Their season will end in October. And what's Messi going to do? He won't be back on the pitch with the team until February. Uh, again, there's there might be a winter tour somewhere in the world, but uh, it, it's going to be quite a, uh, an interesting dilemma for 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 Messi. Like, how does he stay fit? You know, how does he play? How does he stay engaged 
uh, with the sport on the pitch. You know, he's going to be plenty. You're going to see. We're going to see him everywhere. Uh, but once he's once they're out, it's going to be interesting to see it. And again, there's this game on Friday night coming up. Uh, the the league debut, the league's cup debut, honestly, for for not just Lionel Messi, but MLS and League MX. Uh, and we, we're not sure what to, we're going to see that night. Tata Martino, very honest, uh, as expected, when after New Miami got thumped three nothing by St. Louis last week, you know he he wouldn't commit to Messi playing yet uh, on Friday night. He said he's we we need to see how he trains, and it's we're talking about three or four days of training, and then just throwing him into a competition which isn't a friendly. It's not a friendly. They're going to play against a Mexican side that's going to want to win. And they're going to play hard. And so Friday night's going to be a big one. But I think if they don't make the playoffs, it just really turns the page towards 2024. Mm-hmm. Well, we can see just how Messi does in training because there's a star cam on his every single move. Mm-hmm. You've seen that. Uh, Felipe, thank you so much. I wonder if Messi, by the way, has got a floral shirt yet. I feel like that's <laughs> just a must, isn't it, to live in Miami? Do you think he's got one in his wardrobe yet? I I guarantee it. I guarantee it. He's <laughs> he's wearing flip flops. Every time we see him, he's wearing flip flops. So I think he's he's right at home. I want to see him in one like Felipe's got in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next time he's in Publix, what do we think? Felipe, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Uh, and speaking of MLS, we're going to look back at what was this weekend in Major League Soccer. As Felipe said, it wasn't a good result for Inter Miami on the pitch. We'll talk the biggest headlines next. A big weekend in Major League Soccer. Here's a look at some of the scores, although it was a huge high in Miami last night off the pitch. Tata Martino's first game didn't really go as hoped. They were thrashed 3-0 by St. Louis, who sit at the top of the West. Cincinnati, the best team in MLS, beat Nashville 3-1 at home. Second place, New England thrashed DC United 4-0, and Orlando beat Atlanta 2-1 in a big Eastern Conference rivalry. How about third place, RSL, though, beating Red Bulls 3-1 to go equal on points with LAF? FC who sit in second. RSL also through to the Open Cup semi-final as well. This is huge for RSL. Yeah. No, they, they've been a house on fire mm-hmm. as of late, ever since a certain player got back from the U-20 World Cup, but also a certain captain in Demir Krylak getting healthy this season. He has been so vital. He can play a variety of positions, but we have to talk about this young man, Diego Luna. What he has done with the U-20 national team, he's found a new lease on life with RSL, bringing creative spark. He can play whether playing out wide as a winger, not really his natural position. He's more of an out-and-out creative attacking midfielder and he's bringing attacking flair in the final third for RSL. Youngest player in team history with a multi-goal game. He's the youngest player in MLS or the only player in MLS under 20 to get three goals and three assists this season. He is He's the reason why people say, play your kids, man. He is good. Mm. And it's crazy that it took the U-20 World Cup to show his own club how good this man is. The difference in time before the U-20 World Cup to after and how many minutes he's getting is absolutely incredible. And you're seeing it in the results. Three goals, 14 shots on goal, seven starts, eight in the uh, in eight matches after coming back from the World Cup. This is a massive positive for the U-20 World Cup and for the type of development we're getting in this country right now. Yeah, after being so invested in the U20 World Cup and you kind of want to see those stars shine on the domestic front, you look at the likes of like Kate Cowell, for example, yep. Darren Yapi, um, but Luna, Deo Luna is the one that has really stood out. It's, it is kind of crazy. During the World Cup, we were asking why doesn't RSL play this kid and it almost felt like they had their arm twisted after the World Cup to play him and it played dividends. And I also wanted to just point out something, I don't know if it's anecdotal, because the fact that Damir Krylock didn't start Mm. in their win yesterday, it kind of, 
I was scratching my head. I, I guess it's just because of a packed schedule. And yeah, you it's a number of today. games. But yeah. it's the mere cry luck at the end of the day. And he didn't come, out, um, come on until the 75th minute. And RSL but, still smashed it. But it also goes to show the run of form that RSL have right now. When you don't start your most influential player in Demir Krylak, and when he's healthy, he is that good in Major League Soccer for RSL. It shows the confidence that you have in the rest of your squad. And Pablo Mastroeni, he is a motivator. You saw what he did in uh, a couple seasons ago, getting him to the Western Conference Finals. Tactics, 4-4-2, 5-4-1, doesn't matter with him. It's about getting the collective and getting young players, old players, and everyone in between to buy into the team ethos, mm -hmm. and he's doing it with RSL. And then you have quality in Jefferson Savarino, mm -hmm. who is Savarino's incredible. He's a, a baller. fantastic yeah. player that can cut from the wing and take a shot. He's got a good shot. He's dynamic. And then you just added Chicho Arango. Oh, thank you. This is, this is a, suddenly RSL went from being like three or four weeks ago, I called them sneaky. They're not oh, sneaky they're anymore. No, they're they're scary. wearing, they're they're wearing tap shoes, bro. They're not sneaking <laughs> around anywhere. Uh, now you know. They are to balance all the competitions as well that they're in. Another big result, Portland beating uh, Columbus 3-2. Uh, Sebastian Blanco with the goal that won it in the 80th mm. minute. Yeah, coming back from injury. It was yeah. uh, really nice. It's really nice to see. And also, Fox in the Box. I mean, Gio Sabarese, you know. They look, needed this win. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Gio Savadese, you're you're just as happy as or you're probably the happiest out of anyone that this goal went in, man. Uh, he's got to be on the hot seat. But this is great for Portland. Is he in trouble? Do you think? I think so. I mean, they're not having the greatest of seasons, and it's been it's been a while since they were an MLS Cup uh, final where I was at uh, an NYCFC one. I don't know if you guys remember. It was. Mm. Mm. But I just want to say this about the Portland Timbers, though. They are not typically known for being the best starters in Major League Soccer. Now we're at a point where we're just over halfway. We're probably two thirds. Twelve games left, There's, buddy. I will you say gotta, this. I will you got to get this. in a fifth gear. We're two thirds of the way through, but we've seen Portland do the last gasp, hurrah, of getting it right. They will have to be much better at home than they have been this season if they're going to have any semblance of a chance. I think home is where the heart is in Major League Soccer. You have to be that good at home. They have not been. And if they don't make the playoffs, I think that is where you're going to split the hairs. Do you think they make yeah. the playoffs? Do you think they have I think a they strong just run out. in? They miss really? out? Yeah. I, I think that's where you have to start drawing the line with Gio Savarese. He has earned the respect and the credibility to stay with Portland mm through the end of the season, and he just gets them to playoffs. Hey, they're an experienced team with an experienced manager that knows how to get past each and every round, and I, I think you got to give them at least to the end of the season, unless it's obviously catastrophic, right? Catastrophic is just like in a category of its own. Um, but I also want to give a little bit of credit to Sastian Blanco, who hasn't started a single game this season, has been dealing with injuries and the fact that he – comes on and, and, and gets the game-winning goal. Uh, hmm. It's, it's pretty Do you think it's, it's, you think it's a turnaround for them? It, it could be. Yeah. I think it could be. He, he's not just one of their better players or best players in the team. He's an emotional leader for this team. In the past seasons where they've made the playoffs or MLS Cup runs, it's been through the emotional output, not just the quality in the final third. Mm -hmm. When he gets going, this team becomes a different factor in MLS. Uh, also, the teams that have got was, going. Before we uh, switch, I do want to give a shout-out to Timbers Army because mm. you can see how much that fan base being behind this team means to them. They began the season with a lot of, you know, uh, sort of a, a big rift between the fan base and the ownership group 
group and, and the front office. And you can see how important it is to have this fan base behind mm -hmm. you in order for them to win. That and, is a significant part. And when part. they are behind them, it's yes. one of the most yeah. tough places and to if play. They, if they do get in the playoffs, they need this fan base behind can them. We, so shout out to Timbers on. Can we also shout out the Argentine playmakers in this league? What are oh, the odds? Yes. You would do that. <laughs> that, that game, I'm sorry, Lucas Arajan. Thank you. Oh my I believe he's God. Armenian. He, I is, believe he's Armenian. he is an absolute. <laughs> when you have a player like him, you always have a chance. He's a man. Let's give he's a so let's give good. a shout out to Cincinnati because who With can an, stop another Cincinnati? Another Argentine playmaker. <laughs> yeah, go on, yeah, yeah, go on, Nico. Um, <laughs> their home record though has been absolutely fantastic. It dates back all the way to last season. Unbeaten, uh, eleven wins, one draw, no losses, twenty-four scored, six clean sheets as well. Are they going to win the whole thing? There's a lot of potential there. What about Nashville? Three-game losing streak. We had them mm, up big there. Yeah. I, I, I expected Cincinnati at home to at least not lose, but they keep on winning. They're strong. They're dynamic. They're a very complete team. I'm MLS not worried two at seasons, all though. about MLS is regular season and playoffs. playoffs. I do agree You with need that. to be a team that can win in the playoffs. Um, Cincinnati feels like a team that's built for the playoffs. They've got all the right pieces. They're really strong defensively. They got, obviously, a fortress at home. Mm. But I got to see you in the playoffs before I decide you're the one. I, I do home. agree with that, but they just got a big reinforcement in Aaron Bapenza. Getting your DP striker mm -hmm. to score on his debut, which seems to be a thing with Cincinnati DP attackers, to get that goal against one of the teams you could be facing in the MLS Cup playoffs, that is massive. I think if he continues to click on, then that's a whole other dynamic. They were without time. Brenner for a long mm -hmm. time, and yeah, they, they, they stayed atop their level. The top Brandon, spot. Yeah. Brandon Vasquez ain't even gotten hot yet. Yeah. This could no, be. No, no. And he this was away with the national team, he, wasn't he? Yeah. Now he's yeah. only just got back. This could be a crazy All right. team. Okay, so that's the latest uh, from MLS, but stay with us. Coming up after the break, just days to go until the Women's World Cup kicks off. We're going to look ahead to what's to come from Australia and New Zealand after this short break. So this is the promo that the French Federation put out ahead of the Women's World Cup. It's a little bit confusing at the start, isn't it? But they're showing these tremendous goals and making it look like it's the men that scored them. But it was actually the women, as you can see, as the video goes on. Do we like this? I mean, look, I think this is there's two different um, groups that you're advertising this to. One, if you are a fan of the women's game, you're probably a little frustrated of the constant comparison to the men's game. It feels like this isn't needed, and I, I do echo that, that sentiment. But for everyone else who's a little bit of a hater, those guys are like, they're just not good, and I don't yeah. watch it because it's not the best, you know, the best level of football and blah, blah, blah. All these old, tired talking points. That is a great way to prove to them, like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. right? That's if you're, Alexis, because yeah. there really is two sides to that. I felt indifferent yeah. when I first saw yeah. the, the, the promo start. I was like, this is confusing. It's women. Why are we making it about the men? But it, it's a great point that in the end... Right. Look how entertaining this would it, be, and you yeah. probably wouldn't have even known this. It was for, I think it was for the haters at the end of the day. That's what, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's 100% what it's for. I took, I, what I took from it was it actually impacted me more seeing the actual players because my eyebrows are raised saying there's some absolute ballers on this French women's national team mm -hmm. in terms of individual talent, ballers. Mm -hmm. I, I think, to, to Alexis's point, I, I think at this point, there's always in marketing for women's soccer, there's always a callback to the men's game. And I think we're past that at this point. Sophia Smith's commercial for Nike that dropped, I think, this weekend, that was, that was incredible. That had that's, nothing to do with the men. That's one of the greatest ads that, I've ever seen. Uh -huh. 
for any sport, for anything. That's just mm. an incredible ad. If you didn't see it, it's like Sophia Smith is like a scary movie for like a, like a, like haunting the player of another team, but it's almost like a Japanese uh, horror film. Absolutely incredible. And it has like, your to your point, it's got right. nothing to do with the men's side. It's just how good she is. But I do think, unfortunately, there's still a, a core of people who will watch that and go, oh wow, Griezmann was incredible. Wait a minute. Yeah, it almost That's the women? In a way, you know? I want to get your perspective on this, Poppy. Just yeah. as being an advocate for the Women's World Cup and the women's game. And How did Bojangles. They, and, Bo, and most importantly, <laughs> Bojangles. Thank, oh. The study yeah. How, how What was your take on it? How did it impact you? The, I think, Alexis, you said it very well because at the beginning I felt very defensive for the women and thought this, is not, this isn't your moment. I mean, the men have all year and then the women get, it feels like three weeks of international competition where the world looks up and takes note but then when you saw the shift in the changeover I thought that almost in a way embarrassed me that I thought mm. I just assumed that that was the men and and it wasn't it was the women and it shows just how far we've come I think especially in England maybe there's a lot of old opinions still that are still changing and we're seeing it change very rapidly obviously with how many stadiums have been sold out uh, and how much coverage have has become of the women's game and of the World Cup but um, even in England though don't you you guys have progressed Probably Massively. the most. Yes. If there's I, ever I agree. the way that the mm. women's game is respected versus the men's, mm -hmm. I think England, out of any country, is up there. Of course, with the United States, but we were talking about this off air the other day. Yeah. If there is a country where, if we imagine the men won the World Cup yeah. versus the women won the World Cup, and you compare the celebrations, I think England is a country where you wouldn't realize which celebration is which. The country would go And do you know what I think has been equally. one of the biggest parts of that is from, from the very grassroots of football? Because even in the last 15 years when I was playing at school, there wasn't really a women's team. Now the government have made it so that every single girl is able to play football if she wants. Before it was, the boys go over there to play football and the girls can play ah, netball and rounders. Now everyone has equal opportunity to I play had football. No idea. That's really, yeah, that's, I had no idea you that you weren't that. allowed to play football in like what we would call recess. In like, huh. I mean, you, know, you could, but you obviously would have to play with the boys. And then, you know, as you got older, I didn't join... And the join girls a, played netball? I didn't join a women's team until I was 15. In England, really? Which wow. seems shocking wow. to say now. Oh maybe gosh. a bit younger. Maybe if you were 13. able to play Holy younger, more. you could have been the Popeyes player. Bojangles is always one step up. I'm going for sponsorship here. I'm Think of the level you could have reached, you know? So true, Alexis. You know, the no, McDonald's no. Player of the Month, even. Well, at least uh, these girls, have women, have reached the pinnacle. This is a look at um, France's group and who they're with because they've got a pretty tough group to contend with. It's Brazil, Jamaica, and Panama. Obviously, France are the favorites to win uh, a Group F, but this is difficult. And let's not forget what a tough time France have had in the build-up to this World Cup. There's been a lot of back and forth between the Federation and with the players, some players not wanting to play for the team because of everything that's happened. But it feels like under Herve Renard, it's really resolved a lot of things. Do you think they're in a good place coming into this, Nico? I think they are, and they kind of needed that reset and the fact that they get Eugénie Lissomé back, someone who has been kind of at a confrontation with mm. the Federation. Wendy or not, not, not to yeah. mention any other bigger names, but mm. the fact that you get those two back and, and you have essentially the same structure that Colin Diaco left when she left the management of the national team. And they've kind of just solidified this group with a couple injuries here or there. Um, but I think it's their time to prove that they're amongst the best in the world and because it, they've come in World Cup after World Cup and 
with expectation. Especially the one yeah. at home. Yeah. Um, they've underperformed. They have yeah. underperformed. But having Wendy Renard back, I think, is a massive. You know, yeah. uh, people forget she lost, She was stripped of the captaincy in 2017 and worked her way back and got it back in, 20, in two, uh, 2021. This is the type of player and the type of leader that is willing to sit out, you know, a tough situation and prove to everyone, not just her team, but to everyone, that she deserves those opportunities. So to, this feels like the type of player I would want leading the line if I was having the really rough situation that the women's uh, team is having with France and the Federation. And Herb Renard, we've seen how mm. inspirational he can be. Are they related? No, of course not. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we see how inspirational he can be, especially in the halftime uh, against uh, Argentina in the World Cup uh, when he was coaching Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So yeah, it feels like the right blend to walk into this World Cup. I'm so happy we're talking about Irv Renard because this is a big moment for him. This is a big moment for the French women's national team. But going through his CVs, he is the type of manager that you want when your back's up against the wall, when the expectation is question marks up. I mean, what he did, what, 2012, AFCON with Zambia, Cote d'Ivoire, the expectations yeah. there, unfulfilled expectations for so many tournaments with Cote d'Ivoire finally delivers. I think this will be his biggest challenge and biggest tournament yet, though, in his career. Yeah, normally when Hervé Reynal takes on these jobs, he's the underdog. Yeah, that's a big difference. And uh, he's not expected to win. Look at Saudi Arabia. It's different and, now, and, though, and, isn't it? it? They all it's, look. It's 180 but, degrees the other way yeah. because he has that tag of favorite. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, one there's of, a little bit of an underdog. One yeah. of the favorites, right? Yes. In, 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 in an odds it, table, he's yeah. probably in top what five about, with France. What about Brazil, though? Because they're another mm -hmm. team that feels like massively underperformed considering the talent that they have. They came closest, what, in 2007 when they lost to Germany in the final. But they've got a lot of players that play in the NWSL, so yeah. people are very familiar with them here in the States. Barina, Dibinha, Marta, obviously, how high Rafa is the... Rafa Sauza, who just, who just joined NWSL yep. mm -hmm. in Orlando. Um, pride. And this is incredible. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see Vittoria. Caroline. Uh, when she found out the uh, video, they filmed her as she found out she was making the team. She was jumping up on the couch, jumped in her father's arms. Hmm. This feels like a very feel-good story, and they're completely stacked with talent. But we've seen Brazil on both men and women's side stacked with talent and not be able to put it together in the World Cup. So yeah. what's going to happen when they get to Australia? I don't know. They're a bit of a wild card, aren't they? Given all the talent, it feels like you're never quite sure how they're going to come out and, and perform together. And obviously mm. for Marta, 37, this is perhaps her last World Cup as well. With Gotta be, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who knows? Who knows? Maybe yeah. she's still playing. Do we think that one. anybody other than Brazil and France is going to get out of this group? Like we give no hope to Jamaica and Panama? No. Oof, it's going to be tough. I mean, Jamaica are having so many problems off the pitch as well. Tough. You hate to even talk about how much they're having to do just to get to the World Cup after they qualifying through CONCACAF, and now, and now they don't have the, the finances to be able to get there. I mean, how much does that take away from the players in the build-up to such a big competition? It's embarrassing, uh, that's, isn't that's, it? That's massive, and I liken it to what we see in previous tournaments with African teams that have gotten two World Cups on both men's and women's. That can be an absolute disaster. It takes your focus off the field and it, sorry, it takes your focus on, from what you're doing on the field and puts it into logistics and things that you should never have to be worrying about as a professional footballer at a major tournament like a World Cup. You are not guaranteed to ever go back to a World Cup again. And hmm. this is just a blip on 
the actual just qualification credentials mm -hmm. of Jamaica that should never be there. No, yeah, Panama just... and Jamaica in a tough group. Panama, the, their first World Cup, we saw Jamaica, they've just had so many problems, even in the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, but they're a team again I mean, that's Historically, got... it's a program that's been disbanded, uh, put mm. back together again, disbanded. Yeah. But such talented players, Bunny Shaw as well, one in England that we love to watch, electrifying players. So all this talk will carry on later today uh, on the attacking third. The debut of the show is coming up for you starting at 4 o'clock Eastern. It will uh, air every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, bringing you all the latest news and conversations in the world of women's football, plus all the build-up to every team, to Australia and to New Zealand.